Uh, welcome to L O L O. Want to start that again? Too. I'm sorry. We can we can't do it as a, a British. A British. British. Hello, puppet. You start with Indibininging. Indibining. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> All right. Uh, what? Hello. Hello. All right. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Hello Insomnia. I don't want to say hello twice, but whatever. It's going to be a thing. Uh, the podcast where we go over unsolved mysteries and the macabre of, uh, I don't know, Earth and beyond, whatever. And we talk about race cars. But anyway, I'm here with uh, Jerry Panericon. What's up, guys? Uh, Christy Points. Hello, hello. And Stephen Gutierrez. Oh my God! Hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> Dude. Uh, and and uh, we picked uh, this first. I mean, we've done this already before with uh, another episode that we did already. It's um, been a long time. Yeah, but it traders. has been a long time. So we are kind of picking this up. What do you mean, traders? You were there. Was I? Wasn't there do another you... one that I wasn't at? No, you were what? on the very first one, Deborah mm-hmm. Wolf. Yeah, Deborah Wolf. It's been a well, minute. Well, we had one with Adam that. Yeah, see? Yeah, you could we... make it to that one. Exactly. I wasn't invited to that one. You were That's invited. That's a lie. Nope. 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 Anyway, she's here now, and we're talking about uh, the mysterious case of Room 1046. Uh, some crazy stuff happened there. So uh, let's just dive right on into it, guys. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. All right. So here's what we know. On January 2nd, 1935, in the early afternoon, a well-dressed man checked into the President's Hotel in Kansas City, Missouri, under the name Ronald T. Owen. Ronald had a few bags with him, but was... uh, Wait, isn't his name Roland? Is it? Uh, All right. Roland. 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 What did I say? Ronald? <laughs> yeah, something like I that. Made it. Same difference. All right. Ronald T. Owen. Ronald T. Owen had a few bags with him, but it was his scars and his cauliflower ear that stuck out to the staff as he paid for the night. Um, they paid no mind to his injuries, believing he may have been a boxer or a wrestler, and they gave him room 1046. Um, hotel maid Mary Soapdick went to Roland's room at about 4 p.m. to give him some fresh towels. And upon entering the room, she saw Roland on the bed, fully dressed and sitting in the dark. Because that's not creepy at all. Weird. (laughs) (laughs) Can you You say her name one more time? Just like I heard one thing and I just want to make sure what it was supposed to be. So Mary Soapdick. Yeah, pervert. Gosh, <laughs> or softic. I thought it was like, yeah. is it softic? Because that soft dick. Well, no, no. <laughs> no. mine. It's, it's soapdick. It's S O P T I C. Yes, soapdick. It's a regular name, everybody. It's jeez. It's a family name. Good lord. Anyway, <laughs> visible from the light in the hallway. Uh, was a note on his bedside uh, that read, Don, I will be back on the f- in 15 minutes. Wait. Um, and I don't know. Did, it, we got no information on who wrote it. Yeah. I mean, 
if it was literally just waited in the bed. Not yeah, but but I don't understand. I mean, we'll get into it later, but you know, it's it's just I don't don't know about you guys, but I have a feeling this Don character might be kind of important. Don soap. We're just getting all into soap brands now. Let's go. It's not Don. It's D O N. Don. Not D A W N. Like Don. Oh, like a Don. Yeah, it's like a Don, like Donald. Uh, so anyway, next day, January 3rd, uh, Mary Soapdick went up to Roland's room at about 10.30 a.m. to give him some more fresh towels. Um, this room service really likes the fresh towels. Uh, the door was locked, so she thought Roland was out. But upon entering, she found Roland sitting in the dark again, like he had never left. Like the phone, in the same spot? Like in the same freaking spot, just on the bed, in the dark. Not were weird his, at all. Were his eyes open, closed? Like, do we have those details? He's in the dark. You're wide-eyed. You don't know. Hey, let, let me get into this part, and okay. that'll answer your question for sure. Uh, the phone rang, uh, and she overheard Roland speaking to somebody, saying, No, Don, I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. I just had breakfast. No, I'm not hungry. So he was he was awake, you know, he was just sitting there on the bed like a weirdo. And when the phone rang, he answered it, you know. So. I mean, that's what you do when a phone rings. Like, yeah. No, but you He's were asking if he was. Yeah. Like if he wasn't, you know, I was just asking there. like, was no, no, no. I meant like where his eyes closed and he was just like sitting. Maybe he was meditating oh, I don't was, know. like staring intensely in the dark, which would have been fully a clothed. Weird. What? No. Fully clothed. He's on not. The bed. It's not. He's okay in the bed or like sitting on the bed. Like, me, like maybe he's just meditating with his eyes closed in the dark, like de-stressing. I would probably think sitting. I don't know because like they they don't have any. There was no evidence of like where it was, and this just recounts okay, from. Okay. Yeah, there's you know, no the, full the details on how yeah. he was and what. So position. for for us and for the the listeners, we'll just say he was sitting on the bed, legs stretched out. In the dark, like a weirdo. Okay, all right, okay, okay. <laughs> all right, so Soapdick returned again later that day with towels and heard two men speaking from the inside of the room. Uh, a deeper voice uh, is what she believed. That was not Roland's voice, she said. Uh, was heard saying, we don't need any towels, which was odd because she took towels earlier that morning from the room. Uh, also, the door again was locked. On the outside. Well, I mean, like every other door. You know how it is. Yeah. January 4th. This is is all the same day, right? Yeah, that was all on the same day. Yeah. Yeah. January 4th at 7 a.m., the switch operator prepared to make morning calls and found that the phone in room 1046 was off the hook where Roland was. She sent bellboy Randolph Probst uh, to to tell Roland to hang up the phone. Um... But when he got up there, he found that the door was locked with a do not disturb sign on the door. He knocked hard on the door and heard a voice say, come in. But the door was still locked. He shouted for that person to hang up the phone. And then he left. Um, An hour passed and the phone was still registering as off the hook in 1046. So they sent bellboy Harold Pike um, up to the room using his key. Pike found Roland on the bed, naked and seemingly drunk. The light from the hallway showed some dark spots on the bedding, but Pike saw where the phone was knocked off the hook, replaced it, and just left. Didn't think of it. So he walked around a bit and like, all right, I'm going to just hook up this phone real quick. Right, you enjoy your 
whatever. So he just, just maybe well, like, like, did he just pick up the phone? Like he's drunk, left it off the hook and then peed himself because like the dark spots, <laughs> the dark spots are the concerning thing for me. Cause like, so dark with it could light. be anything there. So what I got from this, when I read it is the phone may have been right by like closer to the door, I should think. And like, so maybe so it goes door, open up the door. There's a nightstand maybe with the phone on top of it. Then there's the bed to the side of it. Right. So he walks in, maybe he sees um, Roland laying face down on the bed. Um, some dark spots that he could probably see on the bed from the light from the hallway as the door is open, but he's not paying no mind. He maybe thinks the guy's asleep. He sees the phone on the floor and he just picks the phone up, hangs it, and then closes the door and leaves. Like he doesn't have to walk around the bed because uh, the phone's not on the other opposite side. It's closer to him. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. So like, can I, he accidentally I, kick it? I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, no, I would think he would accidentally hit it if he was like if he was drunk because oh like oh like stretching Harold, his arms out yeah like stretching his arms out maybe he hit it or something like that because Pike said he he was seemingly drunk nobody know I mean so he, he may have not been drunk he may have not it's been drunk you'll see too. later in this yeah they're okay, just okay. assuming right now uh, so that was what did I say like four in the morning seven in the morning oh excuse me seven in the morning thank you. Uh, so a little after 10, the phone in room 1046 registered is off the hook again. Probst, the original uh, bell boy, uh, went to go check it and entered with a key again. When he entered, he found a grisly scene with Roland on his knees and elbows two feet away from him. Um, there was blood on the walls and both the main room and the bathroom and the bed itself. Uh, Probst ran and got the assistant manager, and when they returned, Roland had fallen forward and blocked the door. So it was making it hard for them to, you know, in the uh, door, get in. Huh. Well, I mean, second. just you it was, shove hard thought, enough to like nudge a body out of the way. Um, was it? I thought it was Pike that found him. It says uh, Probst. Yeah, I, I had Probst. I had yeah. Probst. Yeah, uh, props. Yeah, no, on my notes, I have Harold Pike is the one that found him. Found like I didn't multiple people find him at well, different times though. Harold Pike was sent to the. Let's see. Do not disturb. Yeah, in the key witnesses, Pike. it does say Pike found Ogletree's bloody, bloody. Yeah, because uh, I, be I believe um, Prost just yelled through the door. For him to hang up. I don't believe he entered the room. Uh, it says shortly after 10 p.m., another operator reported the phone in the room where it was once off the hook. Again, probes was sent to the room to see what was going on. Do not disturb. Remain on the nod. This time he had the key. After he knocked, Drew response. Yeah. He opened the door and found Ogletree on his knees. So it sounds like Pike found him first in, at yeah. 8.30. And then the second time when they came back because the phone was off the hook again, probes came through. Yes. So, so they both found the body at different times. Like Pike yeah. technically found it first. But Propes is the one that went in and actually was like, oh, well, there's blood everywhere. <laughs> so and who's going to clean on his like knees and elbows? So, yeah. So let me let me get back to that one. Let me get back to one. So when 
when entering the room, probes found a grisly scene with Roland on his knees and elbows two feet away. There were blood on the walls and both in the main room and the bathroom and the bed itself. Probes ran and got an assistant manager. And when they returned, Roland had fallen forward and blocked the door. Roland would soon get up and sit on the edge of the bed as the hotel called the police, uh, who were also joined by a Dr. Flanders at the scene. Uh, They found Roland had been bound with cords around his neck, wrists, and ankles. His neck had been further bruising, or had further bruising, suggesting someone had attempted to strangle him. He had been stabbed more than once in the chest above his heart. Uh, One of these wounds had punctured his lung. Blows to his head had been left with a skull fracture on the right side. In addition to blood, Probst had seen there was some additional splatter on the ceiling. So somebody was doing this viciously because if there's blood on the ceiling, I mean, it's. It was painting at that time. It's like some Christine Chapel shit. Uh, so Dr. Flanders asked Roland if he tried to kill himself, to which he replied, no. He's fucking alive? He's alive yeah, at this point, alive. and they're questioning him, yes. When asked uh, who did this to Roland, nobody, or he answered, nobody. Roland lost consciousness and was taken to the hospital. He was completely comatose by the time he arrived, though, and died shortly after midnight on January 5th. Uh, and that's not where the story ends. Dang, yeah. He didn't snitch at all. Yeah. <laughs> he, Shoot, no, he, he definitely like was, grave. who did this? Nobody. Tight lipped. I'm going to die. Somebody, I'm going to die before <laughs> I tell you anything. Uh, the Kansas City Police Department did an, inv- an investigation on Roland's death by starting, uh, starting by questioning some of the occupants of the hotel at the same time. So, like, there were there were multiple people that they questioned during this time. So there was a, an occupant there that she, what was her name? It's in the, in the notes. Um, uh, uh, you're talking about, um, talking about Gene uh, Owen, Gene Owen. Yeah. Yeah. So Gene Owen, she was the woman that, uh, went there and was waiting on her boyfriend. Right. Uh, yeah, she, she overheard, um, so uh, a man and a woman talking loudly, and like screaming profanities um, throughout the floor, like they heard, she heard them like really loud. Like maybe some arguing or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she heard, she heard some arguing. But there was, I mean, that was kind of a hard thing because there was also a party going on as well. Perfect so, cover to murder somebody. Yeah, I mean, party. It's a tough thing to do. Uh, is you know to to suss out, be like, oh, okay, this was actually an argument, and or this was a party that's going on. Um, ultimately, none of those investigations or any of those interrogations led to anything. Um, the doctor performed an autopsy uh, on Roland and found that he died from his wounds. No shocker. Uh, <laughs> um, what else was he going to die from? I don't know. Asphyxiation from, you know, the cops not wanting him to say anything. Oh, uh, God. Uh, but it seems like the... The wounds had been inflicted between the times of 4 a.m. and 5 a.m., they found. So over that night between, what was it, January 3rd and January 4th, you know, that's when the majority of that violence went down. 
there were no knives, which led to the dismissal of a suicide as cause of uh, Roland's death, since the stab wounds in his chest cannot be accounted for. Uh, the cords tying him up also suggested the involvement of others, of course. One of the room's two glasses uh, was found in the sink, missing a piece uh, of it. And the other on the shelf, detectives found some items that might have uh, been evidence, like a hairpin or safety pin, uh, an unsmoked cigarette, and a full bottle of diluted sulfuric acid. Yeah, that's a common item. Yeah, I mean, that's, so, I mean, you got to think about it. It's the 1930s. That's everywhere, man. You don't yeah, have you, sulfuric acid? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm in 2020, bro. I got, like, I, got, I got a bottle right here next to me. What are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, four sets of fingerprints were found in the room, small enough to believe to be a woman's, uh, but none of them matched Roland, of course, or any of the staff that had been inside of the room. Spooky. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, or that are a very tiny man, I guess. You know, it's I mean, not just what if throw it on the women. Hands? You know, I mean? they said the said the fingerprints were small enough to be a, like a child. Found multiple or a child. I'm yes. sorry, like that's what I would have gone to first because you never trust the children in situations like Dang. this. First of all, you think a child bound a grown man up and stabbed him to if death basically like, a group if he of was drunk came. enough like you know, yeah yeah that's true too did they say all of the fingerprints came from the same child no they didn't go into detail about Ooh, this throw in this party group of vagabond children that are just killing people apparently it's a birthday party for children Let's terrible go. terrible you ruined <laughs> it he's the pinata uh, yeah. Upon upon further investigations, detectives uh, looked into the identity of Roland when the staff mentioned that Roland said he was from L.A. They checked with the LAPD, but no names were on uh, file as being from L.A., a Roland T. Owens. Um, they actually even checked with uh, the, the woman that was talking about hearing the loud voices. They thought there was a connection there because her last name was Owen as well. Uh, but of course, there was nothing there. Um, after putting Roland's face in the newspaper, several leads came in, but ultimately failed. Uh, you know, people just calling in, you know, like, Hey, that looks like so-and-so. Like there was one guy that I read that said it looked like his cousin and they had his cousin's sister come in to identify the body, but then found out that her brother had died months already before. So it wasn't him at all. Apparently playing white gentlemen all look alike apparently so sounds right uh roland would later end up uh in the newspaper when the funeral when his funeral was coming up um and the funeral home where the body was kept they announced that he would be buried in a potter's field which i'm guessing is just like a poor man's you know it's it's like a it's the unidentified people they just bury them there it's no like the, the no oh, one. Like if the gover- or the, the group of people together. And- yeah, like the county has to like bury the bodies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Give them a proper burial. But the funeral home received a call from a man who asked that the funeral be delayed so they can send the funeral home the money uh, for a grave and a service at Memorial Park Cemetery in Kansas City. Um, so the dead man would be near his sister. 
the funeral director asked why Roland had been killed. According to the caller, Roland had been in an affair with one woman who uh, with one woman while engaged to marry another. The caller and the two women had apparently arranged the encounter with him at the president's hotel in order to exact revenge, stating cheaters usually get what's coming to them. Then the caller hung up and the money was sent wrapped in a newspaper. It was around 500 bucks of today's money is what they sent, uh, sent to the funeral home. So he can get buried properly. Um, it's like 40 bucks. Today. It was like 25. It said, it said like he sent $25 wrapped in a newspaper which is like about 500 bucks today. So I'm like, all right. Then. Oh, 25? Oh, yeah, this is, like, this is like in the 30s. So. Yeah, this is 30s. So, you know, things are different there. I think 35? Yeah, 1935. Uh, two additional envelopes with $5 each were sent to the local florist uh, for an arrangement of 13 American Beauty Roses to go with the grave. After a similar call was made to them, both phone, uh, both phone calls turned out to have come from a payphone. Um, included with the payment was a card with uh, disguised handwriting reading "Love Forever, Luis." Disguised handwriting. They just drew mustaches on all the words. That's terrible. That's how they, that's how I didn't get what that meant either when I read disguised. it. Yep. When I was reading it, I was Damn. like, what the heck is disguised? We'll never know. They had terrible. the children write it. Come on, guys. Okay. He wrote with his left hand. Yeah, he used his left terrible. hand. Terrible. Uh, about a year later, uh, Roland Roland's picture was still circulate, circulating around national coverage. Uh, when a friend of a Miss Ruby Ogletree in Birmingham, Alabama, showed Ruby the American Weekly newspaper that had Roland's picture in it, stating that it looked like Ruby's son. Ruby contacted the Kansas City police and provided enough information about Roland's body to prove that it was actually Artemis Ogletree, her son. So... They had like what? What did she she said there was like specific scars that they didn't release, you know, on his body that he got yes. from a kid. He he had a, a a big like scar right above his ear, one of his ears, and it, he was like it was like a bald patch. So it, he was, and it was from a uh, a, a childhood. Um, I guess some grease had fell on his head and burned him, so he had this big old patch that he used to try to comb his hair over to hide it and so that's how uh that was one of the identifying marks that she knew of so name's not even roland it's artemis ogletree which sounds like a harry potter character um it really does it does yeah like yeah a hufflepuff or something uh, so while the real identity of artemis was now known more questions arose as ruby uh, his mother stated that she received multiple contacts from Artemis after his death or after the time the cops told her that, you know, his death was. Uh, she received one typewritten letter from Artemis that was written in highly colloquial style. It's a hard word, which uh, with much slang in it, uh, with much slang. And it wasn't consistent with the previous letters. The other thing that stood out is that it was typewritten and Ruby, into Ruby's knowledge, Artemis didn't know how to type. I mean, it's 1935. The internet's not around yet. So, typing is rare because you got to have a typewriter for one. 
which was very expensive. Expensive, yeah. It might as well be a, a computer. Anybody look up how much a typewriter was in 1935? Uh, $15. Which is <laughs> like Less than a funeral, apparently, back in the day. Terrible. Uh, she also received a telephone call from Memphis, Tennessee, from uh, a man who told her Artemis saved his life in a fight, but could not write to her because he lost his thumb in that fight. <laughs> yep. That sounds bandit. That sounds unbelievable. This guy has had like a bunch of accidents and like bad misfortune to his body over the Wait, it it gets better for him though. The band also, yes, the band told Ruby that Artemis is now living in Cairo in Egypt and married a wealthy woman as well. So, I mean, things are good, right? Yep. Thumb up. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> why is this man contacting her? Did she like get a name or anything from him? Well, the thing is, so, she's been getting these letters after he's already passed. So yeah, it's it's. So it's like after it. he after he you know passed, but before she was able to identify the body in Kansas. So Ruby spoke to that guy for about a half an hour on the phone, but she said that he sounded wildly irrational. But he had a lot of knowledge about Artemis, so she kind of you know believed him more. So, so there was, they knew each other. She got the hint that they knew each other. Yeah, she got the hint that the dude on the phone knew her son. So she believed, you know, believed him. Uh, it's you know, probably Don. It could have been, but the name was never released public. So she gave the name to the police officers of the guy she talked to, but it was never released to the public. And I couldn't find any record anywhere of it. So, well, the guy probably gave a fake uh, name. You know what I mean? Because it seems like these people whoever uh, Artemis was rolling with are using, you know, fake names and, and, and make constantly making up aliases. Well, he was making up names too. Yeah. So I don't know. This is just a weird, weird thing to do. Like, I mean, most people would use their names. Like, what are they hiding? Why? why so a st- murder. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But even, even Before Artemis that. himself, I'm saying like Artemis himself. Oh, is hiding as spies. Something. You know what I mean? Like, what, what's up with that? Like, there's something, there's something amok here. So, is there any more information before we start like going into this? Just out of uh, curiosity, if there's anything else about the mother and the caller. Nothing about the mother. Nothing about the caller. Last thing that I have on here is just they checked with the Cairo, the U.S. Embassy in Cairo, and there were no signs or are no. Um, no any no type records of, of no records thank you that's the word i was looking for no records of an artemis ogle tree that was ever found there which of course since he uses aliases yeah, it ask. could have been anything got it um so you gotta remember too so they buried him in like march she found out in november so they were keeping up this ruse for half the year basically of, of leading See? the mother on that's super sketch because it, it it almost makes it seem like a personal thing. Like he felt like the mother deserved to pretend that her son was still alive. Yeah. Like he didn't want to break the bad news to her. I mean, they even went through the trouble of getting him an actual funeral and, mm-hmm. and so they're paying for his headstone there. and stuff like that. Maybe there's- this was an accident then. Oh, uh, yeah. stab wounds to the yeah. chest. And- yeah. And wrapped, yeah, restraint. Exactly. That's an accident. They left the room. They knew he was alive, so he died at the hospital. Maybe they didn't like. They kind of just tied him up to be upset with him, and then it just kind of just kept going and escalate. Like it sounds like there was more than one person involved, right? 
Um, yeah, because yeah, there's one, there's there's whoever Don is, because he had multiple conversations and a written letter on his um, nightstand or on the bed, I believe it was. Um, so whoever Don was, Don should have come to that hotel, should have went to that hotel. Um, and then the fingerprints from the the woman, I don't know where that's from. Also, one thing you kind of like you mentioned, like uh, there was a card with the flowers and the name was Louise, like the disguised yeah. handwriting. So who the fuck is that? Louise. OK, well, remember so they heard a, a female's voice. Um, who was it? Um, Cheaters deserve on the phone or in the room? No, no, in the room, oh, because remember, you got to remember, uh, I'm trying to find her name. Uh, Jean Owen overheard a woman and a man arguing. So, so, and that was coming from his room. So she, she heard, she overheard them yelling at each other. So there had to be at some point a, a person, possibly Don in, in that room with Owen or Artemis and a woman at, at some point in time. Wait, so did Jean hear three voices or just two voices going off on Owen slash Artemis? Well, she heard she heard two people arguing, a man and a woman. That it doesn't really specify, or I didn't see any mm-hmm. like specification on which which person it was. Um, I mean, I doubt Jean even knew. Yeah, right. She wouldn't know the voice of. But Donald you can Trump. tell you can tell the voice between a man and a woman um, arguing. They they sound completely different. So I'm I'm assuming. Besides Artemis, there had to be because Don apparently was going to drop off food at one point or another. You know what I mean? Like there, there was a con- connection. Like he was there sometime uh, on one of these days, and uh, apparently there was a woman. So whether or not it was uh, just two extra people or three or whatever, I'm I'm assuming that there was at least one extra man and one one woman in that room with Artemis at one well, point. Yeah. Why would they seem to go out of the way to take care of this person? Like, do you need any food or anything like that? You know, if they were planning to kill this person, maybe they weren't planning at first. Like, oh, there's, also, there's some personal stuff. There's something I want to come back to is that um, sulfuric acid, which is also like I looked it up because I was curious what does that is it used for? Oil of vitriol, which is basically like poison, which if you're going to murder someone, like that gets. I hate going into like stereotypes, but like when it comes to poison, it's always pointed out that it's a, it's a major it's a woman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, I feel like maybe like getting the food and putting that poison in there. Like, I don't know why they'd leave it behind. Like that's evidence. Like, I don't think they, I don't think they expected it to get to the point it did, but like, I'm thinking she was going to poison him. Maybe someone else that she's close to was like, Hey, that's stupid. And then they just started arguing. And then he kind of like took over the murder to spare her from it like that's the thing i'm getting yeah don the person in the room like that like tying someone up and then stabbing them to the point their blood like paints the ceiling is a very the lady and don was arguing in front of ogletree i mean ogletree was obviously not in like charge of his like he wasn't consciously there because like they even pointed out he was drunk and like he appeared drunk like he could have been poisoned at that point already and maybe it just didn't take so uh, the other question I have too then is why the loyalty to them when asked, you know, who did see you, 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 I pay, Hey, Don, it was Don and this other chick named Louise, like, Hey, they stabbed me, blah, blah, blah. Why say nobody? 
Why tell the cops? To protect her. Like, if he actually loved her, I could see why. Like, he's like, I'm dying anyway, and I was the one who did her wrong. Like, maybe that uh, was his last act of, like, hey, I fucked up, and I understand why you did what you did. And, like, it's it doesn't make sense. But he was also, like, you know, potentially poisoned and was bleeding out, and he wasn't in charge of, like, actual logic at that point. Uh, how old was he again? Because I know he was very young. He um, was, like, 20? 18, 20? Well, the, I think the, the staff... Um, at the hotel, I thought he was anywhere from like twenty to thirty, or something, or like or it might have been seventeen to thirty, or something like that, which is a broad uh, range. Yeah. Okay. Um, I forget what his mother said. He was born in nineteen fifteen, and and this died happened. in thirty five. Yeah. Okay. So, so, like, depending on how long he was with her, like maybe so like say, yes, Matt. Yeah, he was a young and. You got that? You got the math on that one? <laughs> math. <laughs> uh, <laughs> math. So, yeah, like you've got this young, basically, child who fell in love with someone, potentially cheated on her. And then from there, like she started poisoning him. He wasn't in charge of, he couldn't think properly. Like, I need to look up the actual effects of sulfuric acid because, you know. I thought it just burned through everything. Yeah. So, I but mean, it was diluted. Remember, it was diluted. It was, acid. It was diluted. Um, which I mean, maybe, maybe they, they were used just it for using cleaning. It torture. And See, I that's... wanted to Google it, and I just do not want that in my search history. Go ahead. So, like, the what are the effects? I, I already did. Sulfuric acid. I already did. I, I, to <laughs> I think how to so, make. <laughs> terrible. This guy's, this guy's searching up typewriters and sulfuric acid. Get them. But to go back what you said to what Jerry said about oh they used it for cleaning stuff. 1938 they used all type of stupid stuff for things yeah, that they, didn't oh, work yeah. the, the, the same way. So maybe it was used for like laundry, like oh a little sulfuric acid on your jeans and acid wash jeans. Okay. Boom, you're good. It was so, as so, common as Windex. So exactly. Here we go. Here's a, here's just a, a, a theory. Maybe. They were thinking about using it to clean the blood because obviously it was everywhere. And then maybe it, their plan just got foiled because they opened up the door and found him before they can get back and clean it up. Right, because they struggled to get the door open. So maybe it wasn't the body against the door. It was literally just people clo- holding the door closed until they could make a run for it. Remember when what who was at Probst came back to push the door open or Pike did? But when he when he pushed the door open, um, I think they knew that he was already on the ground hurt. Like, uh, where was it again? Shortly after ten, the operator came in. Yeah, yeah, blah blah blah. So this time, oh no, they came back the second time, and he had fallen over. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't somebody holding the door open. So when he opened the door the oh. first time, he saw him on the ground uh, on his knees. And then he went to go get the assistant manager and then he came back and that's when he had already fallen over and it was hard for them to get inside of the 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 room. But Ogletree got himself up and went and sat at the edge of the tub after that. And that's how they got in. So Got it, right. Because he's not dead at that point. Yeah, because he's not dead. He's just extremely messed up. I wonder if they were using the sulfuric acid to burn his fingertips. He's not in the men in black. No, to like remo- to make it oh, harder to identify his sorry, body. To identify him. You- yeah. yeah, but they didn't say anything. I mean, that could have been a possibility, but with no like actual uh like evidence that they tried to even put it on him, it was just a bottle in the room. Well, see, I know that but uh, like 
they just didn't think to get it on the way out. My guess is that they were planning to do this stuff and it just got foiled because somebody showed up and opened the door before they can finish the job. Mm -hmm. Because I am assuming that, you know, they beat him, they stabbed him. You're kind of just at like a point where this guy's going to die. You've done so much damage. You know, they probably left and we're going to come back and basically either clean up the, the blood and everything. So it looked like he just died and there's no evidence. And then maybe the sulfuric acid was there either to clean up the blood or burn his fingertips to kind of throw throw the identification process uh, for a bigger loop. Is that uh, something that was common back in that day? Because like, I know they were able to lift fingerprints, but like... Man, I guess, but like well, they had databases because they they were able yeah. to. Call were they not doing way. like teeth comparison? Isn't that a, a form of like a dental common records. way? Yeah, dental records to identify bodies. I'm not sure what came first, either dental records or fingerprints, because like they sent it off to what is now the FBI um, to get the fingerprint uh, records, and they even said they, when they sent it off to them, nothing came back up. So I'm guessing that the science back then wasn't sophisticated enough to really get because they would have hit something like well actually i don't know because he was rather young so he wouldn't have been in the system for anything unless he had like a criminal record of some sort so did he have a violent past was that ever talked about like what it was like why did he move so far like he moved pretty far away from his family right yeah Yeah. so so in 1934 he left his family he left ruby ogletree and uh, was supposedly moving to California. Um, and so he, I, uh, he apparently, I think he hitchhiked and was trying to, to get as far away basically as possible, but they never said why I never found a reason why. There's another theory that he was mob ties and the Don was actually the Don. Really? The Don you know? is going to call him personally. Yeah. Maybe. Mm. Okay, well, think about yeah, it. Like, what if the daughter, daughter. Yeah. Oh, daughter of the Don. Daughter okay. of the Don did and her then, dirty, cheated on her, broke her heart. And yeah, the but Don wanted to handle it himself. I mean, a smart Don wouldn't handle exactly. it. Exactly. A smart Don definitely would it's not handle it. It's the 1930s. Who, who knows? You, you it's send a smaller your goons. Mob. It's a smaller mob. You send your goons yeah. to take care of it. I mean, or wait a minute. Though, it's the mob of children, like Christy said. Oh, never, <laughs> trust, never trust the wow. children. You're terrible. You're never. Terrible. I'm sorry. I've seen enough horror movies to know better than to trust those children at the end of the hallway. Mm-mm. No. Uh, later developments. I didn't. I skipped this in the notes. It said in 1937 in New York City, police arrested a man named Joseph Martin on a murder charge after he killed a man he roomed with and put the body in the trunk to be shipped to Memphis. Among several aliases, he was found to have used Donald Kelso. According to the story about the case in the New Yorker, the KCPD, Kansas City Police Department, had matched samples of his handwriting to the letters that were written to Ruby Ogletree. Oh, oh so they, they matched her, her letters that she got. Yeah, to this dude who had Donald an alias Kelso. named Donald Kelso. Slash Bob Kelso's brother. Uh, yes. Great, great, grand, happy. <laughs> Wait, so did they ever form a connection between Joseph Martin and uh, Ogletree? Mm, nope. They said no charges were ever filed against the man for Ogletree's case, and the KCPD kept the case open. 
the files show that different detectives reviewed the case every few years through the 50s. Each time they noted that they would keep the case open until uh, cut, keep the case open and follow up, but no new evidence was ever uncovered. Uh, and gradually the case went cold. See, if you have that small of a connection for matching samples of handwriting, why wouldn't you why wouldn't you use that? Start start uh, uh, interrogating him and questioning him about this. Get him to slip up. Yeah, maybe they couldn't really use it against him. Like, was yeah, that even a science back then? No, but you can track like his movement. You have him because he's he's in jail for the murder of the yeah. other guy that he killed already. So you got him. You're you're, yeah. you're good right there. So then just investigate his his life all the way back. See where he moved. Who did he talk to? You know, and yeah, see if there is a used, connection. He used several aliases, right? Like that's yeah. really difficult to track because unless he's going to tell you every single alias he's used, it's not like he wrote them down on a list or like his little black book of aliases. But that's the work of a police detective. <laughs> like, it isn't going to be easy. It's going to be tedious. Yeah, but in the 30s, they didn't, like... They weren't that, yeah. yeah uh, they weren't, they weren't that good. Policing, you know? policing was pretty rough. They didn't have the technology we have now. But it's, it's, they've, people have done it. Like, they, they had killers that they had to investigate, that they had to do. It's just, it's just more difficult in the thirties than it is, you know, but I think it's a solid lead. If you match, if you were able to match the handwriting with the letters and you can somehow link him to actually writing those original letters, then that means he knew Artemis. That means he knew his mom was out there probably worried somewhere and he was trying to cover it up or, and he knew more than, you know, he, than anybody else would know about the situation. So this is two years later too. So this is two years later. The information that we have right now is stuff that was out already. Like they knew, they knew already the stuff that we've just read off. You know what I mean? So like the police could, obviously they make a connection with Luis, maybe look at uh, Mr. Martin's background. Does he have any connections to anybody named Louis, uh, Louise or, or, uh, was there a connection? Maybe he traveled with a Rowan T. Owen before because these guys that use aliases, they have like maybe four or five aliases that they recycle and they just constantly use over and over and over again. It's not like they're making a new alias every day. This is this is where you get the wall with a little string and you point it to different pictures all around until you're insane. And you get the Charlie <laughs> Damien. <Dang me. laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. This is what you do. This is the this is the time you do that as a detective back in the 30s because you can't Google everything. So you can even get a private eye. Like private eyes were huge around this time and stuff. Like their their whole thing is being a detective. Gumshoe detectives. Yeah. Like go on. But the other thing I wonder is how much did they care about a murder in Kansas City? You know? Yeah. Like of this unknown, you know, guy who's already been, you know, uh, buried and gone and seemingly had no connections to anybody but his mother. How much would they care to even continue to investigate that? I don't know. And, you know, why didn't his mother look into more trying to uncover what actually happened? Well, you put in here that she had a whole bunch of kids, right? Or... Um, I believe she had 
multiple kids. But yeah, I and like think about it this way: like she also, you know, he moved away, kept in touch through this like other person writing letters. Like it wasn't suspicious enough to her. And then at that point, it's like, how? What sense do you make of it? Like, what could you really realistically tell a private detective on? Like, I don't even know where to start because apparently he wasn't going about the name I gave him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like all these that we're going to be going over, this one will probably be unsolved. Uh, for the we'll never have feature. an answer for it. I mean, unless somebody has a time machine, and then we can just you know just watch as the events unfold. Yeah, just pop on back. What happened oh, already? We can get into the time. We can get into all that and different. God, uh, God damn it, Jerry! You left the sulfuric acid behind. Terrible. Damn it. <laughs> That'd be terrible. <laughs> uh, sorry, so all right. Final thoughts on the whole situation. Start from the top of this list here, Jerry. I feel like uh, let's go back and he teamed up with a team of orphans and they grew up and killed each other because he wasn't part of the plan anymore. Then the young orphans killed him. What oh. was the plan? Don't worry about I it. I don't know. Don't worry well, about it. He, <laughs> he, he asked too many questions. Jerry, he was he was like seventeen, right? So maybe his yeah. birthday was coming up, and he was going to be eighteen. At, at the 12. young orphans had to. So take they were like, out. "We have to get rid of him. We have to get him out. He's part. Of, he's out of the game." That's the worst. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the worst theory I've ever heard. That's the worst theory I've ever heard. Okay. Ever heard. okay. All it's right. a little lamp-like. You know what I mean? Christy. Take him out. Can you please um, add some type of logic to this madness? Yeah, I'm leaning towards the, like, something, like, he was involved in some sort of mafia or shady underground business kind of situation because the fact that he used an alias, uh, Donald Joseph Kelso, whatever the hell his name was, used an alias, like, that's not normal. Like, I'm going to go to a nine to five every day and, like, go home and have, like, apple pie afterwards. That's some shady shit back in the 30s. And I think he, like, did something dirty to that guy. Like, maybe that Luis person was somebody, like, that was with Kelso, Don, whatever the hell his name was. And when she cheated with uh, Artemis, Don was like, nope, not okay. All right, Steven. Um, so I I do kind of see, like, he was involved with some shady people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think that he... Accurate. Was with this Louise character, character, whoever, if that's a real name or not, he had some type of uh, probably romantic involvement. Um, he probably slipped up and tried to hook up with somebody else and somebody got caught. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was Don or somebody else, we don't know. But I think they confronted him about it and things got uh, heated. There was a there was some arguments, and they probably beat the shit out of him. Said, you know what? Whatever, stab him a couple times, and then take off. Punished him for it, and I think that just led to his death. Whether their intent was to actually kill him, I don't know, because it seems like they felt some guilt afterwards, um, enough to to keep him keep him alive to his mother at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some there was some personal business here. And I, I think it had to do with some type of um, tragic love story that uh, somebody was fooling around and it ultimately got him caught up. That's just my theory. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Banging the Don's Daughter. 
and uh, screwed up, slept with the wrong woman, cheated on her, uh, and basically the mafia got at him. The children. You mean uh, no, mafia's no, code no for children. the children? No children. What if Louise I, was Don's wife? I th- I think he was involved in something, some criminal activities, of course, using the alias uh, with ease that, by the way, um, the fact that he seemed like he was a very roughed up person with the different scars on him, the cauliflower ear and stuff. So he may have been in some type of altercation, some fights prior, which is probably not boxing and wrestling. It was probably some type of, you know, mafia Fight or club. gang activities or something like that. Um, and no, this was just one of the... This is just one of the prices that he had to pay for probably cheating on somebody. So, you know, cheaters get what uh, they deserve, apparently, is what the caller said. So they murdered a child. I mean, when you're in the mafia, no one's a child. Yeah. I mean, you got to think people were signing up for war or actually that's in a couple of years. Right. Because what is this? Thirty five. When when the big one happened, (laughs) 40, you know I mean? right? Yeah, World so, War II, 45, 40, 41? I don't know. So I don't know. They were signing up for the war uh, within the next couple of years at this age. So they were seeing him as, as a young man already. Four more years, World War II would pop off. So World War One was probably It's happened. done. Yeah, it's said and done. So I don't that's know. A, that's a, it's, this is a crazy one. Um, yeah. But now I guess, uh, I guess. Uh, what, we leave it to the audience? What do you people think out there? You know? Yeah. I mean, I would love to any, hear theories. Hear if you have any leads, there. if you have any leads, call the number below. Yep. <laughs> you know why they picked Cairo for him to live the rest of his life out? I'm super curious of all places. Like, hmm, this dude's grown up in Alabama, Kansas City, was going to go to California at some point, but no, we're going to send him to Egypt. With one thumb. With one thumb. Yeah, and a hero, and a hero. Remember, he he saved somebody's life in a fight. So, I mean, maybe Cairo was popping back in 1935. Yeah, you know, maybe it was an alias. Who knows? This is definitely a crazy story. But real quick, aliens. We should. I do want to give a couple of sources that we used. Yeah, yeah. Research. I used uh, the BuzzFeed Unsolved. videos uh we use one of those for the creepy murder in room 1046 that's a good video if you guys are curious about the case um i actually used a a website to find where his grave is located and it gave a um uh basically where his tomb his tombstone and stuff is at findgrave.com and then of course wikipedia um and there, there was one article um that I used by an author named John Arthur uh, Horner. It was a, a blog and that was a mystery at room 1046 part two love forever. Louise. That was more about the uh, letter and stuff like that. All right. And I guess that wraps up that case. So uh, until the next one uh, later. See some you soon. Stay mistress. Oh gosh. All of those are terrible. <laughs> <laughs>